really is one of my favorite songs. I, uh, I was out of church for a while. I don't know if y'all knew that. Um, I was out of church for a while, and I was watching a friend of mine who pastors a church, and they were singing this song. And I texted him. I'm like, what song is that? And he was like, dude, don't you know? And I was like, but ever since we, we'd seen it, I'm like, you, anytime Philip tells me that's on the playlist, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And I love this service because the, the 915 service is fun, but every service has a different personality. The 915 service are our coffee worshipers. And when I say coffee worshipers, they're all holding a cup of coffee. So they don't really raise their hands. They just kind of lift their, they lift their glass. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. I watched it. They lift their glass, which, um, which, which is okay, but I don't want them to go too high because then they're pouring coffee and it runs down the back of somebody and they get scalded. However, we have some charismatics here. So if somebody started doing a lap, I, I, we would think that was awesome. But anyway, y'all don't have a lot of coffee in here. Um, you've already had your coffee. How many had coffee this morning? Okay, good. The rest of y'all just wake up. Anyway. Uh, I got a question for you, and this is not a trap question. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put my hand up and, and say I'm in this category. I'm just kind of curious. How many people in this room or watching online have ever been having a conversation with someone, and you're the one talking, you're the one driving the conversation, but right in the middle of the conversation, your mind goes completely blank, and you look at the person you're talking to, and you say, I'm sorry, what was I talking about? Anybody, anybody? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's most of, okay, most people in the room, if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. Um, it's, it's incredible. Now, now, for me, I'm 50, and some people go, oh my gosh, the reason you do that is because you're old, but what you don't understand is I was doing this at five and six years old. At five and six years old, I could be having conversations with somebody and stop and go, what was I talking about? I mean, and it's not because I have ADHD, it's because I have ABCDFG. I mean, I got all the letters in that, okay, I am. And it's so crazy because we live in a world where it's so easy to become unfocused. Is it, is it not? Uh, we, 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 we can become unfocused by um, uh, somebody text us when we're driving. And, and we look at the text for three seconds and then we look up and go, oh wow, I'm in a field, there's a cow. Um, that, it can happen. <laughs> Am I right? It can happen that fast. We get so unfocused so clearly. I'm, a, I'm the type of person that I have to try to hyperfocus. For example, um, let's say we, we're going to watch a movie. There's two types of watch a movie people. The, the first type is we're going to actually watch the freaking movie. Like we're going to watch the movie. The second type is the commentator that has to commentate on the movie and hypothetically, hypothetically, Shannon and I watch movies together, and, and she ha I had to push the pause button. Last night we were watching a movie. She got so mad because the dog got killed in the movie, like a dog got killed. She was like, that's not right. I'm like, this is, you understand the dog didn't really die. It's a movie, right? But, but I have to pause it sometimes because I can't talk and watch a movie. I can't talk and listen to a song. I've got to have focus. It's, it's difficult to focus, though, in the world that we live in because we've got notifications on our phone and people coming by our house, all kind of things going crazy. And it's also difficult, it's also difficult in the world that we have, we live in, to follow Jesus. Has anybody in this room besides me ever struggled to stay focused in your walk with Jesus? Notice my hands up too. Yesterday, yesterday I was at a stop sign. I was getting ready to turn right. There was a car coming. 
In my opinion, I didn't have enough time to pull out in front of this car safely. So I was going to let this car pass. The person behind me thought I should have gone. They blew the horn. I went from pastor to pagan in less than two seconds. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't look at me like you're judging me. Here, here's the thing I want you to understand today. If we don't get anything today, I want you to get this idea right here. The reason it often seems difficult to follow Jesus is because it's actually difficult to follow Jesus. It, it would be easy for me, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, it'd be easy if we just had church every day. We could just have an hour of worship. I mean, it's easy for me to follow Jesus in here. But see, after the service is over, we got to go out there. And as soon as we get out there, it, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to follow Jesus in the world because of all the distractions that we have. And one of the most common distractions that every single one of us have is the voices of other people who try to divine us and tell us who we are and what we should do. That's one of the biggest distractions. And, and if we don't do what other people want us to do or say what other people want us to say, we get canceled. And there are too many people in this room or watching online that we let what other people say about us or what other people might think about us govern how we live. That's not freedom, and that's not how Jesus wanted us to live. So today, I want us to look at three things that we can really focus on, three things. There's the Baptist in me. Y'all feel that coming out? That's, the, that's about the only Baptist in me, but that's three things, three things that we can focus on that, that we need to talk about that'll set us free from living under the oppression of the opinions of other people. Are you ready? Here we go. Number one, number one thing we got to deal with is opinions. You may find this hard to believe, but I am a highly opinionated person. <laughs> I know, I know, I know you can't even believe it, but, but I have strong opinions. Now, on most occasions, I will not share those opinions unless I am asked. However, if we get into a conversation and you start pushing me, for example, about a year or two ago, I went out to eat. I went out to eat lunch with a friend, and, and like lunch, what could go wrong? He's a friend. He had recently became a vegan. Now, if you're here and you're vegan, I love you. You're a wonderful person. That means more cheeseburgers for me. <laughs> I am not anti-vegan. I'm not anti-vegetarian. I'm not at all. But we sat down, and they brought me my chicken sandwich. I'm just eating a chicken sandwich. And he's like, he's like, you know I'm a vegan, right? And I said, actually, no, I didn't. Um, that's awesome, man. That's good. I'm, I'm. He goes, can't believe you're eating a chicken sandwich. I said, well, like, would you, do you want me like a mushroom sandwich? Or like, what, what do you want? He's like, do you know how that chicken got killed? I hadn't really. It's fried. I hadn't really thought about it. Like, and he went, like, we have an argument. Now, here's the deal. I don't mind if somebody has a certain opinion, but when it comes to something like that, you don't have to, like, attack me for eating a chicken sandwich. Have you passed those trucks on the road with the chickens in the cage? Yeah, all the time. I'm like, huh, Chick-fil-A. Um, that, that, that's just what I think. 
But there's, there's nobody in this room, there's nobody in the, in the room that hasn't been impacted by the opinion of somebody else. Somebody's got an opinion about you. Somebody's got an opinion about how you should dress, the way you should talk, how you should act. And do you know they did the same thing to Jesus? And I, I was reading through John chapter 7 not too long ago, and it was fascinating some things that happened to Jesus in this one chapter of Scripture that I want us to walk through. And I just want us to see several instances where other people's opinions, even though they were hurled at Jesus, didn't define him. Here we go. Watch this. John chapter 7, verse 12. There was a lot of, lot, there was a lot of grumbling about him among, among the crowds. Pause. When you grumble about Jesus... There's, there's going to be problems. But I want, to, I want to point out what they were grumbling about in just a second. Some argued he's a good man, which, I mean, it's a good basic start if you're going to describe Jesus. But others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. How are you going to say that about Jesus? Why would they mention that? Well, it's real simple. In John chapter 6, Jesus performed a miracle that's it's actually the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. He fed 5,000 men. By the time you throw the women and children in there, you got 20, 15, 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And they're calling him a, him a fraud. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that miracle fish thing. I think there's some food trucks on the other side of the mountain. And Thomas and Andrew are running over and getting, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's... I think he's a fraud. But you know, as you read through John chapter 7, Jesus didn't even address this. He didn't address the people that thought he was awesome. And he didn't address the people that thought he was bad because none of these people actually knew who he was. I'm going to show you that in just a second. See, I, me, I, like if I'm Jesus and I'm walking through the crowd and somebody calls me a fraud and I've got the power that Jesus has, like you're a fraud. Sorry, what, what's, your, what's, your, what's your name? What's your, yeah, you. No, no. Yeah, 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 you. Fred? Fred. I'm a fraud, Fred. Okay. If I'm a fraud, you're a frog. I'm going to turn you into a frog for the rest of the day. You ribbit your little butt all around Galilee. and when it, Like, that's what I would do. But Jesus doesn't even acknowledge this. He just keeps moving. And the crowd gets so upset with him, they take it to the next level. Have you ever had anybody, they were trying to get to you, they couldn't get to you, and they took it to the next level? They took it to the next level with Jesus. This is, now, keep in mind, they're saying what I'm about to show you to Jesus. The crowd said, you're demon-possessed. Talk about getting it wrong. I mean, this, they, 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 but this was the ultimate insult in this society. They're trying to get a reaction out of Jesus, and he doesn't respond because he didn't let people that didn't know him define him no matter how opinionated they were. This last one, though, this is the one that got me when I was preparing for this message. Watch this. When the crowds heard him say this, this is in the same chapter, some of them declared, surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Love it when we tell Jesus what he can't be. He can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? 
Now, this is a legitimate question because Jesus started his ministry in Galilee, and, and that was in the upper area of Israel. And then they said this, and this is where they, this is, this is where they kind of tell on themselves a little bit. For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. Now, let me just kind of point something out real quick. If you know the Christmas story, doesn't matter if you're old school like me and you watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special or you actually have heard the gospel of Luke chapter 2 tell the Christmas story, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem, but he started his ministry in Galilee. We don't know anything about Jesus until he's 30 years old. We've got one snapshot of, it, of him when he's 12 years old. Um, this is one of the gospels. He tries to run away from home. It's, it's a fun story. We'll talk about it sometime. But other than that story, we don't know Jesus until he's 30. And he started his ministry in Galilee. So they knew where he started his ministry, but they, knew, they, they didn't know that he was born in Bethlehem. Now, don't miss this. If they had known Jesus, they would have known he was born in Bethlehem. They said the scriptures say he'll be born in Bethlehem, so don't miss this. It's possible to know the scriptures and not know Jesus. I'll say it again for the people in the back. It is possible to know the scriptures and not know Jesus. These people were trying to define Jesus on where they thought he came from, and they knew nothing about him. That's why we have got to learn how to let the opinions of other people roll off our back. Because, and I say this a lot, I say this once or twice a year, I'll come back to it over and over and over again, that the quickest way to lose sight of what God says about me is to hyper-focus on what other people say about me. The opinions of others can oppress us to such a state that we don't even want to leave our homes because we're scared to death of what other people might say or other people might think. Which is why I heard somebody say this years ago, and it was such a great statement. I remember writing it down. Which is why I believe, I believe it is incredibly necessary to start each day with some time with the Lord. Because <laughs> it's so much better when we exchange whispers with God before we exchange shouts with the world. And, and so if, if there's just somewhere that you could spend 10 minutes every morning just just reading, I mean, there's all kind of Bible apps. There's all kind of devotions you can download. Just Bible prayer, maybe a worship song. I'm telling you, it just does something to our mind. It gets our mind right. And, and where I got this is Jesus is getting all these opinions. Jesus is getting all these people saying things about him. But the gospel of Luke has this one verse that's always captivated my heart when it came to some of the things that Jesus did. And Luke tells us in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. If Jesus needed some time to get his focus on the Father, then we do too. Because if, if we are not obsessed with God's opinion, we'll become obsessed with other people's opinion, which will leave us in an unhealthy place, which leads to number two, standards.
Now, we all have standards. Most of us have standards. Right? Some, some of us have unrealistic standards for ourselves and for other people. When I used to do youth ministry, um, back, I'm talking about, y'all, listen, some of y'all get this, some of y'all won't. Back in the day, we had pagers. Y'all remember pagers? Yeah, some of y'all, you don't have to Google what a pager was. But I had a pager, and, uh, and my whole youth group had my, my pager number. Now, when I say whole youth group, it was like 30. But, like, they all had my pager number, and they could page me, and I would call them if, they, if, if it was an emergency. And if it was an emergency, at the end of your telephone number, what did you put at the end of your telephone number? Anybody remember? 911. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, they would, so one day I got this page from this girl, and she put 911. Now, she never paged. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be serious. So I was like, what's going on? And she's crying. Have you ever been on the phone with someone on the other end of the phone crying hysterically, and you don't know if somebody's dead, somebody's dying, if they're dying? And she was doing that thing where she was kind of not able to talk. She was like, uh, 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 uh. I was like, uh, okay, well. Okay, uh, it'll be all right. Just calm down. Calm down. What's going on? What's going on? And she finally was like, <laughs> I made it. I made it be. I made it be. I made it be. I made it be. I was like, way to go. That is awesome. Because I got money for bees when I was growing up. If I made a bee, man, my dad threw a party. But she was weeping because she lived in, her, in a house where only A's were acceptable. Tense in the room right now because some of you parents, you have that for your kids. Only A's are acceptable. How, how'd you do in school? <laughs> Throw it out there while you placing standards on your kid. Anyway, I'm just, say, I'm just saying she was so upset because she had all these standards on her that were unrealistic. I mean, they're just unrealistic. And we set unrealistic standards for ourselves. And many of us are held in bondage by the unrealistic standards that other people place on us. I love what Jesus said. This is one of my favorite Jesus quotes. Um, he's, he's talking to the crowds, and this is, this is what he said. He said in Luke chapter 7, For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine. Why didn't he drink wine? Because he was Baptist. And you say, <laughs> he's possessed by a demon. That, that, that was their go-to, you see? Oh, he's possessed by a demon. Look at him, he's possessed by a demon. Because he's, he's keto and not drinking wine, so he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners, but wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. In other words, Jesus is like, you guys can't, like, you, you guys are setting one standard here and one standard here and one standard here and one standard here. So I thought the best way to demonstrate this is just kind of share with you the standards that have been tried, people have tried to force on me. And I thought the best way to do this is just kind of go through a list of words that I've been told I cannot say or should not say from the pulpit. Y'all ready? This will be fun. The first one is fart. 
Now, the middle school boy in me laughs every time I hear that word because it's funny. <laughs> but let me tell you where the story came from. Some of y'all remember this. Several months ago when I was dating Shannon before we got married, I was like, people were like, how would you know you loved each other? How would you, how'd you know it was true love? And I was like, well, I knew when she loved me the day that I had, like, you, I had gas, like bad, like bad, like hurting inside. And I was trying to get to a, go to the other room where I could let it out. You know how it is when you first date and you go to the other room, you fart, come back, everything's fine. <laughs> but when I stood up to go to the other room, when I stood up, it was like, you know what, it's time to get out of here. And it just, I mean, it was, it wasn't silent and, and houseplants started dying. It was bad. And so and I looked at her and she busted out laughing. I was like, this is true love right here. This is how you know. And I told y'all at the time that she had never farted. That changed a week ago. <laughs> it was so cute. It was like, and anyway. So I told that story and somebody got mad and said, you can't say fart from the stage. Well, of course I can. Of course I can. You can't, you can't say, Pastor you can't say crap. And I've always asked why. Well, well what you really mean is the other word. I mean, let me make you a promise. If I wanted to say the other word, I would say it. You can't say Of course I can. You know why? I'm going to talk to you from this stage the same way I would talk to you if you were in my living room. I'm not putting on a show up here. And No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The reason I say that is because I remember walking with a guy, he's another pastor, we were, I think we were in the Haywood Mall, we're walking around, we're like, man, how you doing? It's so good to see you, good to see you. And one of his people came up from his church, and he's like, hey, hold on for me. How are you doing, brother? It's good to see you. I'm blessed in the Lord. And I'm like, what the, what just happened? <laughs> you were cussing just a second ago. Maybe it was me. I don't know. But, but I, I promise you, if I wanted to say the other word, I, I would say it. This is my favorite. This is, this is where it gets uncomfortable. Pastor P, you can't. You can't talk about sex. Really. Because sex is awesome. <laughs> and like, like the, you know it, God came up with it, right? God made Adam, and God made Eve, and God told, God, Adam was like, what am I supposed to do? God was like, come here, and whisper in his ear. I was like, oh my, that is, that is, Adam didn't have, mm, he went charismatic. He started speaking in tongues and laying on hands, and it, it was like, there we go. I think one of the reasons the world has such a messed up view about sex is because the church has refused, refused to address the issue. And this is my favorite. Well, Pastor P, you know, my middle schooler's in here, and I hadn't had that talk. Well, let me just go ahead and help you. If you haven't had the talk with your middle schooler yet, have the talk today, but you don't have to talk. You, all you need to do is take notes because they know. Okay? Freaking. You can't say freaking. Of course I can. Of course I can. It's one of my favorite words. This next one, I'm not making this up. You're going to think it's a joke. It's not a joke, and you're going to have to let me explain it. <laughs> you can't say redneck. Now, 
what's funny is people that are rednecks actually consider that a compliment. <laughs> the person that told me that I could not say redneck wasn't even close to being a redneck. They weren't even in the ballpark. They weren't in the redneck neighborhood. They've never seen a trailer in their life. <laughs> Those are some things I've been told I can't, words I can't say. These are some things, the next are some subjects I've been told I can't talk about. There's a point in all this, I promise. First of all, this is therapy. It feels so good. I feel like this is my therapy group. Hello, my name's Ferry. So yeah, some of y'all got it. All right, there you go. Pastor P, you can't talk about South Carolina football. I've literally had people say, if you say one more bad thing about South Carolina football, I will leave the church. And my response has been, well, if y'all would give me something good to talk about. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I make, I make fun of all football because like, none of us are going to win all the games, right? Right? Unless you're Alabama and you keep paying your players like that. Anyway. <laughs> Pastor P, you can't talk about politics. We kind of ripped the Band-Aid off of that one during the first message of this series, didn't we? Canceled? Here, here's the deal. People will always want to quote separation of church and state, and that's actually not in the Constitution. I covered that in that message. But... I think one of the problems with politics is that, that, that listen, how do you separate Jesus from anything in our lives? You really want to separate God from country? You really want to separate Jesus from country? Let's look at the last century at the examples that that set for us and see how that went. There was a guy, there were two main men that were atheistic in their approach to how they led the nation. Their names were Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin. Millions of people lost their lives. If Jesus doesn't affect everything, then he means nothing to our lives ultimately. And so at the end of the day, I, I, now I'm not going to like tell you who to vote for, but I'm going to address political issues because at the end of the day, Bad politics are nothing more than the result of bad theology. And so we, sometimes we'll talk about stuff like that. Like, for example, let me just kind of get this out. I'm not woke. <laughs> I'm not. That's not a political statement. It's, 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 I can take you to biblical values and walk you through why I'm not. I, I love our country. It doesn't mean I, it doesn't mean I'm a bad. Person. I love the fact that God put me. I was born in America. I think America is a great nation. Every once in a while, I meet somebody. I hate America. Let me buy you a one-way ticket somewhere and see how you like it. I mean, I just I think it's a. I, at the at the end of the day, I I'm I'm going to talk about stuff like this because it's necessary. I've been told that I should watch my song selection on social media. <laughs> this specifically came from a lady who was upset that I posted a run and put the song Till I Collapse by Eminem, which is an incredible workout song. <laughs> Who's Eminem? <laughs> I got some of them at QT. No, no, not, no, not those Eminems, okay? This is, this is a rapper. 
she, she was upset because she's like, how do I explain this to my four-year-old who was looking through your Instagram, my Instagram stories? I'm like, well, what was your four-year-old doing looking through your Instagram stories? And why are you following me? You know something crazy going to happen, and I'm going to post about it. <laughs> this next one, give me a second. I've been waiting on this one. Personal life pictures on social media. A few weeks ago, me and my family went on a beach vacation. It was awesome. My daughter took a picture of me and Shannon sitting by the pool in our bathing suits. We look good in our bathing suits. <laughs> I just posted it. It was a picture. She, my daughter took it. She thought it was funny. I had a shirt on my head. World War Three broke out on Facebook. World War Three over a bathing suit pic. You, you're a pastor, and you're held to higher standards. Let me address that question. Let, let me just address this real quick. I don't want your higher standards. You know why? Because your higher standards come with a pedestal. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. And when you put somebody on a pedestal, you're setting them up to fail. I always tell people, if you don't like it real, stay off my social media. Because I'm going to post about the real stuff that I'm going through. And this is where people always push back and say, you should be more like Jesus. Well, I'm not. In fact, this is the promise I will make to you. My life will probably never look like Jesus, but will always look like someone who desperately needs Jesus. That's a promise I can make you. And I want to say, I'm not held hostage by the opinions or the expectations of other people. Now let me push the pause button. I've got godly people that love Jesus that speak into my life who I listen to on a consistent basis. That circle is small, that circle is tight, and I listen to them and run everything by them. But Bible Boy 182 on Twitter, I could give a rat's rear end what he thinks or where he's from or what he's doing. I'm not going to be held. I, I am desperately trying my best to follow Jesus, and I'm just going to be honest with you and tell you when I fall short, and I'm going to celebrate you with you when I get a win. But if you want, and this is just, I'm going to put this out there, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to move on. If you want a pastor that you can control by telling him what he can say or what he can talk about, you're welcome to go back to the church that you came from. I don't, listen, I don't say that with an angry bone in my body. It's just that Jesus set me free from living to the expectations of other people. I'm going to do my best to follow Jesus. I'm going to do my best to live in life with community. I'm going to do my best. And when I fall short, I'm going to get back up and keep on going. If that's the kind of environment you're looking for, this is your church. But, but if you're looking for a guy that walks on water, I'm not your boy. I'm not your boy. Last but not least, we need to talk about celebrations. We, do, we celebrate things in this world really well. The fall of 1981, 
there was a massive celebration that changed my life. Most of you will, don't even know what I'm talking about. Fall 1981, Pope Field, Easley, South Carolina. The McKissick Indians defeated the Forest Acre Panthers 14-12 to to secure the Little League Rec Championship for Easley, South Carolina. I was on the McKissick Indians team. I was on the bench, but I was on the team. <laughs> and we celebrated. We, we celebrated. We, I mean, it was like crazy. We got an extra Coca-Cola. We got an extra cup of Coke. You know, find a bunch of kids, hype them up with sugar. It was a celebration. And I'm saying that, but here's the deal. The next day, it didn't matter. We celebrate things, and I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate things, but a lot of times we get caught up in celebrations that don't matter. And then we come to church, and let's be honest, most of us, especially who have a church background, would not put the words celebration and church in the same sentence. Doesn't it seem like the church is too obsessed with what is wrong with the world? Doesn't it seem like the church is too obsessed with what is wrong with your life? Does it seem like when you leave church sometimes, you walk away thinking, do I ever freaking get it right? Do I ever get any, does God even, I know God loves me, but does he like me? Because I don't feel like he likes me very much right now. I think church should be a place more known for our celebrations rather than our condemnations. Because, because at the end of the day, all of us, are on the same page when it comes to this next statement, that God's kingdom is not about us accomplishing and God applauding, but about God giving and us receiving. That is called amazing grace. That is reason enough to celebrate. Now, if y'all gonna clap, clap. God's not in heaven going, You had your quiet time. You hit the snooze. Boo! Right? I I want our church to be the kind of church where I want us to be a Psalm 122-1 church where Scripture says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Not I was mad. Not I was sad. But I was glad because I want this to be a place where we as a church celebrate and we as individuals celebrate. And some of you might be asking the question, Pastor Pete, the world's gone crazy. The world's gone to hell. My life is gone crazy. What do I possibly have to celebrate? What do we possibly have to celebrate? Well, it's real simple. We're gonna celebrate in this church every single time a prodigal comes home. Do you know we've seen so many prodigals come home in this church? We've seen people that had said, I'm done with God, I'm done with church, I'm done with Jesus, and now they're showing up every single week and not just showing up, but volunteering, sir, giving, they're doing all that stuff. When a prodigal comes home, we don't say, well, we'll see if it's real in about another year or two. No, we throw a party when the prodigal comes home because Jesus said in Luke 15, throw a party when the prodigal comes home. Don't be like the older brother and not go in. We're going to celebrate every time an addict is clean for a week. Do you know how many conversations that I've had in our lobby, how many conversations I've had in public 
when people come up to me and I can always tell where the conversation is going because they're like, Pastor P, I, I don't know, I said, I've been clean for, I've been clean for a week. And, and, and that moment right there, I celebrate. I don't go, well, let's see if we can make it too. We'll see in a year. Hope you make, no, no, no. If you're clean for a day, two days, three days a week, we're gonna celebrate the accomplishment. I think that's something to celebrate. I celebrate when people find hope to keep living. Do you know how many people in this church have told me, you know what? God's, God is delivering me from anxiety. God is delivering me from depression. God is delivering me from suicidal thoughts. I don't think I would have made it another week, another month, or a year. And just to hear that story that people are believing, if I'm not dead, then God's not done, that's a reason to celebrate. We're going to celebrate when people meet Christ. Every single Sunday, people meet Christ in our church. I post it on Instagram and Facebook, and I share this many people receive Christ today. Somebody asked me, what are you going to do on a Sunday when nobody accepts Christ? It's not going to happen because when we preach the gospel, people are going to respond. We have people get saved at 915 this morning. You say, Pastor people, what about my life? What about me personally? What do I, I don't have anything to celebrate. If you don't have anything to celebrate, let me just kind of put your focus in another direction and just ask some questions. Where were you when Jesus found you? Where were you when Jesus found you? I was reading the Psalms this week. David said, I was in darkness. I was in a pit. My life was destruction. But when Jesus found me, everything changed. Where were you? See, I don't know about you, but I can celebrate where I was, where Jesus found me. And I can also celebrate how far he's brought me. How far has he brought you? Where were you when you met Jesus? You might not be, you might not be where you want to be, but just stop and look back. How far has he brought you? Or we could ask another question, what has he brought you through? What did he bring you through that if it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't have made it through? Some of you in this room, if it wasn't for Jesus, you'd be in a hospital room. You would be in a rehab center. You'd be in a ditch with a needle in your arm. But by the power of Jesus, he brought you through something that you didn't think you would ever make it through. Hey, how many times has he given you the strength when you thought it was over? How many times has he strengthened you in the storm and you knew you were going to make it because of the power of Jesus living in you? What did he rescue you from that you thought would always rule over you? you he has rescued you. He has set you free. You are a brand new person in Christ. And for that today, we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate because of who he is. Let's lift this up. Thank you, Jesus for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for all the work. God, I want to thank you right now for the things that we don't know that you've done, for the times that you rescued us that we don't even know about. Father, I want to thank you for the fact, Jesus, that as Christians, you define who we are. And Father, I pray for those in this room that are held hostage by the opinions and the expectations of people God, that don't, don't love you and don't love them. God, that we would be able to live in freedom. God, I pray for the person here today that doesn't know you. They've never asked you to come into their life. That today would be the day, Jesus, they invite you in. They ask you to come into their life and be their Lord. 
to save them. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, if you're in this room or watching online, you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you know you need to ask Christ into your life, then right where you stand right now, I want you to just pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. Right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. I surrender to you. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you meant, you meant what you said. Do me a favor, put your hand in the air. I want to celebrate with you. Amen. Amen. Hands went straight up. Amen. Amen. Hands up all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, y'all go, go ahead and clap because thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you have saved people today. God, thank you, Jesus, that we've never had a week in the history of this church where you didn't save someone. I pray that you would fill them with hope and peace and confidence, Jesus, that from this day forward, they would know they belong to you. And Father, I pray for us as a church, God, that we would walk out of this place in freedom. We would walk out of this place with peace in our hearts. We would walk out of this place with joy in our steps, knowing, Jesus, that we are loved by you, we are accepted by you, that we are known by you, and that in you, Jesus, the best is always yet to come. In your name we pray. Everybody that agrees says amen. Are you glad you came today? Woo! Me too. Can't wait to see y'all next week. God bless.